Have you ever felt miserable? Have you ever felt like you were in the pit of despair that you just couldn't escape? Have you ever felt like you were just downright depressed? Well, there was a World Health Organization that came out with a study recently that actually says that depression is actually up 25% since the COVID-19 pandemic. The Gallup poll uh, that came out earlier this year on depression says that since 2015, there are 29% of Americans that are facing depression. One in three. So the reality that even in this room or in our families, we know someone that has faced or is, is facing depression. Well, today in Psalm 6, we will see that David, who wrote the psalm, he is in utter despair and no doubt is dealing with depression or feeling depressed. Um, over the summer, uh, we walked through the first five psalms together. And the last three of those songs were known or are known as psalms of lament. And if you're not familiar with, a, with what a lament is, a lament, as, as Pastor Trey uh, defined it for us earlier in the summer, he says that a lament is a prayer of pain that ends in praise. It is a prayer of pain that, that ends in praise. And psalms of lament take over a third of the psalms. So one in three song, psalms that we read are these hymnal songs of God's people, our lament. And lament, it sees our suffering, it sees the darkness in this world, and it doesn't ignore it or sweep it under the rug or act like it, it doesn't exist, but instead, lament, it takes our pain, it takes our suffering, it takes our human condition and asks that God would show up and guide us as we stumble in the darkness. So I think it's good for us to look, even though these psalms are heavy and it, it may at, at first rub us the wrong way because maybe we, we don't feel that way, but psalms of lament are there for us to understand some of the emotions that we, maybe we are even feeling. Uh, in the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, Mark Roth says this about uh, lament. He says, to cry is human but to lament is Christian. See, only Christians can lament the way that Scripture shows us. Laments have this similar structure. They begin with this calling upon the Lord, laying out before Him our struggles, our pain, and then the end with confident praise to God. And so I wonder if there are even some of us right now that are just dealing with depression, that, are having, that have our own reasons that we are lamenting. The Psalms of Lament are also known as the Psalms of Disorientation. Um, 
where we're dealing with seasons of hurt and these times when we feel like there's just disorder everywhere we look, even on the inside. Life feels like it's slipping away. Well, the Lord invites us to lament. He invites us to lament that we might know his faithful love and that despite our pain, we turn from that pain, focus, not focusing on our circumstances, but focusing on Christ, focusing Godward. And in our pain and in our suffering, we will see God as our greatest treasure. And so I want to invite you as we read Psalm 6 together. Psalm 6 says this, For the choir director with stringed instruments, according to the Shemith, a psalm of David. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaking with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me, save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of my enemies. Depart from me, all evildoers. For the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard the plea, my plea for help. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and shaken with terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. Well, I think the main idea of our passage, the passage before us, the Psalm 6, is this, that the Lord hears our cry of repentance and graciously responds in faithful love. That David wants us to understand that the Lord, he hears our cry of repentance and graciously responds in faithful love. And I think we see this mainly in three ways throughout the text. And so I think the, the, from verses 1 to 3, we will see that we will see David's condition, that he cries out for grace. I think in verses 4 to 7, we see David's petition. He is a cry for deliverance. And finally, in verses 8 through 10, we see David's confidence, a cry of trust. So the main idea is that the Lord hears our cry of repentance and graciously responds in faithful love and see this through his cry for grace, a cry for deliverance, and a cry for trust. Psalm 6 begins with this note on top, which some Bibles may include it, but uh, some may not. But it says, for the choir director with stringed instruments, according to Shemith. 
Well, and a lot of times we'll just, we'll just discard that, we won't even read it. But the psalm was originally intended to be a, a song in a corporate gathering. And so when it comes to this word shemith, there's not a lot of clarity. Basically, it means a stringed instrument or an eighth octave. And so there are two, if you don't know a lot about music, there are two musical keys, major and minor. And so songs in the major are typically joyful and happy, and songs in the minor are often sad, somber, or serious. Well, the psalms work in the same way, and this is in a minor key so that you would sing it or you would be in the corporate gathering and it would just be this solemn song of lament that they would sing together. And so the context is that there are psalms that tell us, you know, the exact place and time that the psalm was happening or when it was written, but Psalm 6 is not one of those psalms. We don't know the exact time or the setting, yet David, what we do know is that David was dealing with deep sin, depression, and had enemies around him. Yet here, David models something wonderful for us. He prays that while he is still in the mess, while he was still in the mire, he cries out to the Lord for grace, which leads us to our first point, a cry for grace. David's first step to, in lament is to cry out to God, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not dis discipline me in your wrath. David cries out in the mess of life that he's stuck in, and he is keenly aware. He is very aware that he has brought himself under the wrath of God, under the rebuke of the Lord. So he, he pleads with him. He pleads for the Lord for grace. Now, we've, we've already discussed how the, this is a psalm of lament, but it's also known as a penitential psalm, where David repents of sin in his life. And throughout the psalms, we have seven of these, and this is the first one. And a penitential psalm is a psalm of repentance, Penitential Psalms is one where the writer calls out to God in the misery of their sin, seeking repentance. This is this one is the reason why we have a prayer of confession together. Even like as an example here, that they would pray this together. Just as we corporately gather and we we pray and we confess sins to God. We can feel the weight and the sorrow that David has bearing down on him. The, the thing that it, it stands out is that David doesn't confess any particular sin here in this psalm, but there's no doubt that he is feeling the weight of it. He's feeling the weight bearing down on him. And he cries out for God not to rebuke him in his anger. You see, David is fully aware that he, he deserves the rebuke of the Lord. But he doesn't say, don't rebuke me. But he says, Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. David fears that the suffering that he is experiencing is a result of the divine anger 
and wrath of God. And so he pleads with God, be gracious to me, verse 2, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaking with terror. Now we hear the depth of David's suffering. His whole being is shaken to the core. Not only is he sick, but his bones are shaking. His, he says his very soul shakes. My whole being is shaking with terror. I love the way that John Calvin says when he speaks to this particular psalm. He says that the, the Psalter is like an anatomy of the soul, for there's not one emotion in us that is not present in the Psalms. In the Psalms, we learn how to call on God in the depth of our emotions. The Psalms teach us how to feel the full spectrum of emotions in God in a God-honoring way. And I think that's what we see. He's crying out to God. His prayer begins with calling on God. David can't stand it any longer. And so he cries out for relief from his sin. We don't know any specific sin that David is referring to, but what we do know is that David had plenty of sin in his life. We can think back to some of the, the times or the, the stories that we've heard, whether it's murder, adultery, you know, being a poor father. There, the list goes on and on. We could stay here all day and talk about the ways that David has sinned. But David knew that hardships that he was facing, they were a result of the Lord's corrective discipline in his life. Corrective discipline is... It helps us to correct as God's children by putting to death sin in our lives, right? And so the Lord, he actually disciplines those he loves. So in the midst of this corrective discipline, we often wonder, how long? David wonders, how long will this discipline from God last? He says, how long? And you, O oh Lord, O oh you, Lord, how long? This is one of the most repeated questions in Scripture. The frequency of this question in the Bible reveals one of the main problems that we have with God's ways. That his ways are typically not on our timeline or our calendar. The Lord allows David's timeline, his deadline to pass and David comes to the end of himself and says, how long will this go on? Why don't you intervene now? Though we all experience trouble from our circumstances, which can result, be a result of our own sin that we struggle with or troubles that may pale in comparison to the troubles caused by sinning against God, our greatest problem is not our circumstances, our pain, or our suffering, our greatest problem is our sin against God. And so like a child sitting in timeout after being disciplined by a parent, David cries out, how long? Now in the middle of his discipline, he thinks that he has learned his lesson. And so we may be there right now in the discipline of the Lord where he has 
has called out sin in our life and we can't stand it any longer, we call out, how long? Throughout Scripture, we see God's discipline uh, is very common for suffering for the Christian. We see in Proverbs 3, verse 11 and 12, where it says, do not dis- where a father is talking to his son, he says, Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and loathe his discipline, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, just as a father disciplines his son whom he delights. So when we suffer, it isn't God angrily taking from us. Rather, it is God lovingly transforming us into his son's likeness. So suffering can feel like anger, like God is angry at us. Suffering can feel like loss. We're losing something that may be dear to us. At times, it can even feel like God is abandoning us. But there's wisdom in the pain that we experience. So don't reject the Lord's discipline because it's rooted in his love for you. The essence of a true father-child relationship. Correction only works, however, when one is willing to accept it. Which is why Proverbs tells us, don't despise the correction of the Lord. Another good verse to, that actually unpacks Proverbs 3 a little bit more is Hebrews 12, if you want to look at that up later. These are helpful because they show us that discipline is designed to help Christians fight sin, but also to encourage you. It is for your good. And in the Christian law, we learn to trust our Heavenly Father and to rely on Him to take us through paths that we would have never chosen on our own. Paths that will be difficult. Paths that will have sorrow and heartbreak and loss. But he is walking us through those for our good. So where do you go when your whole life, when your whole being is shaken? What is the hope? What is the hope of a soul in despair? Well, in utter desperation, David petitioned the Lord to deliver him. And this leads us to our next point, David's petition, a cry for deliverance. David cries out for deliverance and he he brings his petition to God. David is asking the Lord to do something about his situation. He doesn't see any way out and he brings two petitions to the Lord. The first petition that we see is in verse 4 where he says, Turn, Lord, rescue me, save me because of your faithful love. Well, David cries out to the Lord to rescue him. David takes an honest look at his life and his spiritual condition, and he is broken by it. He can't help but feel the vast chasm that separates him from God. And so he cries out in his distress. David cries out to the Lord to do something about it. He petitions him in in the middle of his emergency, in the middle of his suffering. He argues his case, pleading, telling the Lord why he must be delivered. And so David models 
for us from the beginning of the psalm that we need to run to God, not run from God. Why? Well, because our sin, we have a tendency not to run to God. We have a tendency to run from God. We have seen this from the very beginning in Genesis where Adam and Eve, after they sinned, they didn't run to God. They ran from him. They tried to hide from God, but they should have run to him in restoration and help. David, unlike Adam and Eve, runs to God in his sin and in his suffering. And I think that's helpful for us. And it's a good question for us today. Are you running away from God are you running towards your desires or your flesh that seek to pull you away from God? Or are you running to God? Maybe you have run from God because you think that your problems are so big, the problems that you face are so big, that there's no way that God could possibly help. Or maybe you're angry with God because of something that has happened to you, whether that's recent or in your past, that you are angry with God for letting those things happen. Or maybe it's because the pride in your life that you actually think that you can solve those problems that you face on your own. That somehow you can just work harder or seek to put death sin to death on your own, in your own power. So who do you cry out to for help? Well, in, in our culture today, there are a lot of people that we go to for help. and Some of them can be very helpful. We run to doctors, extremely helpful. We can go to therapists. We can run to our parents, our spouse. Some may even even run to a government or politician, but those are all lousy saviors. So we can trust that God is sovereign and is in control, even in the darkest days of our lives. So we can walk by faith, trusting in the one who has saved us, trusting in the one who holds us fast, for his glory and our good. And so when you feel the weight of your, the sin that is on your own shoulders, run to the one who took on the full wrath of God for you, that you don't have to bear that on your own. Let your first step be to run to God, to run to the one who stands ready to deliver you. Because if you're not running to God, you're running away from him. So run to God. David knew that there was no one but God who could deliver him. So he cries out that God would turn. He would rescue and he would save him. David cannot not go another moment without the Lord in his life. And so he cries out, save me because of your faithful love. David grounds his request in the very character of God's faithful love. 
this phrase, faithful love, echoes of God's unchanging covenant love. It's a devoted love that promises to never let go no matter what happens. David's argument isn't built on his own character. Rather, he builds it, he builds his argument based on the unchanging character and the covenant promises of God. It's a loyal love, a covenant based on the promises of God, like a a covenant between a husband and a wife. David praises God for the same faithful love that he that we see in 2 Samuel 22 where he praises the Lord for being his tower of deliverance and acting in devoted love towards David. David is reminding the Lord of the covenant promises that the Lord made with him. But while he's saying this, he's also saying that he doesn't feel it at the moment. I'm not feeling this. But he still takes his petition to God. And God delights when we do this. He delights when we plead with him based on his promises. So David's first appeal is to God's character. And then he makes a second appeal to God's promises. And we see this in verse 5 where he says, For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? And David is saying here, while he is alive, he can praise God. But when he is dead, he will no longer be able to praise God. Well, this could be a confusing verse, but I actually think it's very simple. That death what, what he is saying here is death will silence your voice among the living, so praise God while you still can. David wants the opportunity to praise God for his salvation in this life. This is why we were created. The main reason we live is to bring God praise. So God delights to be exalted. And David pleads with him on the basis of his restoration that he would allow him to continue to live on this earth and praise his heavenly father, to praise God, which is the very reason that he was created. So he pleads for God to do something in line with his will, which is the exact prayer that the Lord wants to answer. This is the same David crying out to God, the same David that we learn that can, has, when a lion and a bear attacked him and attacked his sheep, he strikes down. This is the same David that would take down the mighty Goliath. This is the same David that is a king of a vast army, and yet there was nothing that David could do to save himself. And preserve his life. He knew that only God could rescue him. He was honest with God about his despair. And we see that come to like an, an intense part of the verse in verses six and seven, where he says, 
I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. In Psalm 3, we see that David's enemies rise up against him. And yet, David has no problem sleeping at night. In Psalm 4, he says that he lies down and sleeps in peace. But here in Psalm 6, David finds no such rest for his soul. Instead, he says, my eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of my, all of my enemies. David has suffered emotionally. He suffered physically and spiritually. His attacks are coming from inside and they're coming from outside. Charles Spurgeon once said this about this passage. He said, weeping is the eloquence of sorrow. It needs no interpreter, but is understood of all. It is not, isn't it sweet to believe that our tears are understood even when words fail? Let us learn to sing tears with liquid prayers. David's prayers continue even through his weeping. As he soaks his bed with his tears. We see David do that just here. He is at the end of himself. He has no, nothing that he can do to save himself. So he pleads with God to be his rescue, his rescuer. And he's honest with God about the misery that he finds himself in. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't wallow in his pain, or seek to just stay in it, he moves from misery to confidence in God and praise to God. And this brings us to our final point, David's confidence, a cry of trust. The end of David's prayer reveals this assurance that God gives him in his sorrow. David actually has not yet received this deliverance. But in verse 8 and 9, David tells us that he had confidence in that moment, as well as confidence in the Lord's future deliverance to come. He says in verse 8, Depart from me, all evildoers, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. What has changed for David? What has changed from verse 1 where he's asking the Lord not to rebuke him in his anger? Well, David says his situation changed and three times he references what the Lord has done. The Lord has heard the sound of his tears, of his weeping. All the words that David wasn't able to, to voice, the Lord heard those through his tears. And he says, the Lord has heard my cry for help. And the Lord has accepted his prayer. David's confidence came from the Lord, the one who had never let him down. The God who was faithful at every turn, 
he trusted that God would deliver him even while he was still in the state of suffering, still in his pain. In this psalm, we see that praise is the destination and trust is that pathway to praise, even amid our pain. So are you willing to let God comfort you only when you get the results you want? Only when he does what you desire? Or are you willing to let the God of all comfort comfort you in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your affliction? Are you tempted to wallow in your suffering? Or to do you cry out to God in pain, trusting that he hears you? Do you lean into the promises of God even in these trials that you may be facing. There's a great confidence that comes with knowing that your prayers are heard by God. Even when there may be no change in that difficult circumstances, to know that God hears you can give us great confidence. We can be like David. We can trust in God's steadfast, faithful love. David trusted that God would deliver him from his painful trials. Even though he didn't know how, he trusted that he would. He trusted that God would rescue him so that he could praise him while he's still living. And as one commentator says, the only grace of God can deliver us from the wrath of God. David, just as we need that grace in our lives. In verse 10, we see this confident language of a man who has been delivered. He says, all my enemies will be ashamed and shake in terror. They will turn back and suddenly be disgraced. Earlier in the psalm, we see that David's bones and souls and his soul were shaking with terror. Now, David says that about his enemies, that they will be ashamed and shake with terror. This is actually a reference from the verse that Hunter read just a little bit ago. This confident language of a delivered man, while David doesn't record an answer to his prayer, David trusts that the Lord, that he will answer his prayer. Ultimately, David's prayer is answered in Jesus. You see, Psalm 6 points us to a true and better king who would endure pain, who would endure sorrows, both physical and spiritual. But unlike David, he did not plea to God for deliverance, but he brought deliverance for us. Jesus the scripture tells us, was a man who was well acquainted with sorrows. Yet in all that he suffered, he never sinned. In the Psalms, David fills his bed with tears. Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane, cried out to his father, praying that his life would bring him glory. Praying that his Weeping, he was praying, his weeping was so intense that he began to, to sweat. 
drops of blood in anguish. The faithful love that delivered David is the same faithful love that went to the cross to deliver us from our sin. And on that, on that cross, Jesus, he bore the full wrath of God, the wrath that David asked that he would not do, that he would not experience. Christ experienced the full wrath of God, dying the death that we deserve for our sin. But praise be to God that Christ was not silenced in death, but he rose from the grave, putting his enemies to shame once and for all. So that those who repent of their sins and believe in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins will be saved. This is the good news of the gospel. We cannot rescue ourselves. We need a Savior. You see, the Lord, he hears our cries. He is faithful to respond with his faithful love. And so no matter where you are at, because of this gospel, you can run to Christ. Like David, you can turn to God in your despair. You can cry out in your suffering and in your pain and know that you have a Savior who is faithful to deliver you. And even in your lowest moment, you can trust him to keep his promises. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me?